This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The position group right now that I'm the most attracted to, okay, the one that I just want to take a whole mess of barbecue sauce and slather it up there and just eat it up, is that secondary, man. Yeah. That secondary looks good. I mean, good. And I don't think that it's been bad the past couple of years. No, it's it's been serviceable. Yeah, right. But I think it's like to the point where I don't want to say strength when you have Watt and Hayward up front rushing the passer, mm-hmm. but God, it it really is a much better situation. I think from last year to this year, and that's on top of losing guys like Cam Sutton mm-hmm. and Arthur Millette mm-hmm. that played really Terrell big Edmonds, roles yeah. last year. Edmonds who played huge roles last year. You lose three guys, and I think you're better. Yeah, and so obviously they had to make additions after losing those three guys. But man, I, the big three additions: Patrick Peterson, Keanu Neal, uh, and Joey Porter Jr. Upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. I, I really think so. And I know the jury is not even in the courtroom yet for Joey Porter Jr. We have no idea what this kid's going to look like. Right. I salivate over the potential, though, and Cam Sutton, Arthur Millette, never going to reach that kind of potential. That no. I mean, Joey Porter Jr. is a de facto first-round draft pick. 32nd overall. That's anyone, unless you're Antonio Brown and you're that six-round darling that comes around the league, not just for a team, but comes across the league as a six-round draft pick and has as much talent, that's a once in a and a million, one in a million shot, right? So, no, nothing against Arthur Millen and Cam Sutton, but when you're a cornerback being selected within the first 32 picks of an NFL draft, you're obviously going to have a lot more potential than anyone below you. And I look at the, I look at the secondary room, Tom, and the top six. Just you have to feel so secure with it, right? Pat Pete and Joey Porter Jr. as your cornerbacks, KZ and Fitzpat and Minka as your safeties. And then Levi as your third cornerback, and then Keanu Neal is your third safety. How do you not feel secure about having three guys at each position that you could feel comfortable starting? I'm comfortable. Levi Wallace maybe is the last on that list, but he's I'm still pretty comfortable. He's with still him. not bad. Yeah. Well, think about last year. All we said about Levi was this guy's can't, really good as a number two. Can't this, be the number one. This guy's really right. good if he's a clear number two. So now he's what a number three, a number four, maybe. I mean. He might not be the nick. He's not going to be on the field if, if if Porter and Peterson stay on the outside when they go nickel and Shandon Sullivan comes in. Mm-hmm. Levi's not going to be out there. He's going to be the odd man left out. That's so a great like, point too. I didn't even mention Shandon Sullivan. Uh, Shandon Sullivan, I think, has a a very nice opportunity to carve himself a pretty big role. Veteran kind of player who has played the nickel, played that slot role a lot mm-hmm. in, in his career. So, you know, everywhere you turn. I am happy with the starters. With the where deck. you look, the yes, players that like, you see at those positions, you don't look around and you see. It reminds you of the Artie Burns and Sean Davis and Will Gay and and uh, Mike Mitchell era, right? You still got guys like James Pierre back there, right? But he's just been dumped down the depth chart, more which is more, fine. Which is you what know you because have a couple of years ago when he was number two and you had guys behind him, you were thinking. Okay, well, he better work because you don't want to go out with the guys at the third string and fourth string, but now he's in that position. And you don't mind having him in that position now. 
Of course I don't. I, I love him being in that position. Right, and you like the guys way more who are way ahead of him on Trey that Trey Norwood chart. played mm-hmm. so much as a rookie and has honestly seen his playing time decrease right. as he's moved on in And his it has career. nothing to do with his play. No, it has everything to do with the people that they brought in. in the role that right. he should be in now. And that's kind of right. where... Right, he I, never should have played as much as he did his rookie that's year. That's where I think they are really just drilling the the screws into the board here when it comes to the offseason is that you know there are not massive upgrades but they are upgrading in almost every position mm-hmm. that they can right they're moving guys down depth charts to the roles that that's probably more suited for them at this point in their career it just looks like a much more complete team overall and a much more complete secondary i don't want any of the big dogs to get hurt this is football though it happens. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with pretty much anybody in the secondary missing a game or two right. and having somebody step up. I now, think one now, guy— if, like, five guys go down, then you're in trouble. But, like, if Minka goes down, KZ can't fill that role for a game. If he, you know, a little sprained ankle, he needs it next KZ, week. KZ and Neil together. That's what I'm saying. Right. If Pat Pete goes down, Levi can't step in there. Right. Same with Joey Porter Jr. Levi can't mm-hmm. step in there. If he has to, you know, get shut down for a game, hell, even if Pat Pete and Joey Porter Jr. both go down— you're going to have trouble, but you can survive with James Pierre and Levi Wallace. Just and help, help James Pierre out. Those and three guys. Right. Just help James Pierre out a lot more than you would ever have to help out any of the other two guys. So there's depth there that you can call on. And, again, Trey Norwood. So say Minka does go out and you have to bump KZ up and it's KZ and Neil. Well, then Norwood can play the bench role or that third-person role that, you know, say KZ was playing before Minka got out or say Neil was playing before Minka got out. It's not the same as a couple years ago when the top guy went out and you had to put in Trey Norwood immediately. As a rookie, Mm -hmm. as a seventh-round pick. Now the top guy or maybe even the top two guys can go out and you put out Keanu Neal and then you maybe put out Trey Norwood. Outside of quarterback... Because that's just stupid. The depth, of how how much position. depth it's, they it's have an in that anomaly, position. Honestly, like right. you never see. That. I don't think you'll ever see that in the NFL, maybe ever again. Especially in back to back years, mm-hmm. like to have to like, have those three last guys. year was like okay, those three you get it because Kenny was a rookie, but, but like, now to have him back now, like, and then is the next fall the the next few years as well because they're all under contract. But I was going to what I was going with that is is the secondary, including the defensive, all the defensive backs, corners and safeties. Is that the deepest position group that they have on this roster? I know tight end is pretty damn deep right now. Tight end's great. Because of their draft Tight end's solid. Um, And you know what? The offensive line is kind of deep, too. Especially the the interior position. It's not as deep as the secondary yet, but... Night and day. Last year, they could not afford a person to get injured, and thank God no one did. Right. This year they can. They got some wiggle room and and very 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 smart. Everything Omar did this offseason has been smart. But an A plus move to recognize. Not going to go back to back years with five guys playing every single game on that line. I mean, think I about need depth to call on. Think about that. Herbig. Big. There was no Herbig last year to right. call on as a, as a depth piece. Not only that, Tom. Kevin Dotson is now your depth. Is now piece. a depth piece. Exactly. He's not just your starter. He's your depth piece. Kendrick Green two years ago was starting at center as a rookie. He's now your third string guard, or maybe even fourth behind Dotson and Herbie. He might not make the team. Right. It's that dire right now for him because of some of the people that they've brought in. I mean, guys even like LaRaven Clark. Well, you got how many? How many? They usually retain within the season nine offensive linemen. So you got your five starters. Dan Moore Jr.'s making the team. Kevin Dotson's making making the team. team. I think the Spencer Anderson kid's making the team. I think Herbie's going to make the team as well. That's nine. Yeah. 
Let's put it this way. Spencer Anderson, LaRaven Clark. LaRaven Clark plays tackle. You need, so you you need, need depth. That, but you do have Dan Moore. But regardless, say, say regardless, you have your five starters, Dan Moore, Kevin Dotson, that's seven. And then you're telling me between— And I'm pretty sure Herbig's making it, too. Like, you're, I don't, te- you're telling me between Herbig, LaRaven Clark, and Spencer Anderson that Kendrick Green's going to make the team over one of those guys? I might get an early call here. I might be on the on board for him not making the team this year. Yeah. And that's crazy to think about how two years ago he was the starting center. <clears throat> he was the starting center for your Hall of Fame quarterbacks last season. I mean, they were played s- with another Hall of Fame potential center, and then it was like the Bizarro world where he had the same number, but it was not Marquise Pouncey anymore uh, playing center for you. So crazy to see how the evolution of that line has gone in the past couple of years. Right from. The this worst guy's starting center as a uh-huh. third, fourth round pick. It, it was the worst offensive line in football. So now he might not make the team right. because there's just so much better options. Because look at what in 2022 and in 2023, look at what Omar Khan and Kevin Colbert did together. They and, recognized how how dire the situation and was. Then and then continuing into 23, Omar just took it. Right. And just well, I, I meant in, in Omar's, and in, in, sorry, in Colbert's last year and Omar's first year. Because it's been two years since Kendrick Green's rookie year. So in those two years, right? Colbert's last year, Omar's first year. The the two of them recognized together how dire that situation was in that offensive line room. And they addressed it head on. And now, I'm actually excited, Tom. You know, we, we talk a lot about how we talk ourselves up with certain players in certain positions. And we certainly did that two years ago with the offensive line. Or the state of the offensive line with... Kendrick Green starting at center and then having to place in Dan Moore Jr. as a starting left tackle also as a rookie. We really hyped ourselves up there. But now I'm, I think there's a legitimate a, a basis or a foundation to be excited for this offensive line in 2023. No question. It's it's moving in the right direction. And you got to give Andy Weidel a lot of credit, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think he He's the one an who, offensive line guy. Yeah, and he, he knew Isaac Siumalu. I just think was that a piece to bring in. It makes me more optimistic about these guys because this guy's track record makes yeah, right. you think that he knows what he's doing. Look how much the offensive line was prioritized in Philadelphia. You bring over that guy who knew what he was doing in Philadelphia, he's going to help you out in that same same way in Pittsburgh. So there's a little tangent on the offensive line there talking about depth, but yeah, I mean, back to the secondary. It, it is a deep room with a lot of talented players that you can call on and Again, the potential for a legit number one shutdown, he's on an island out there, corner is there with Joey Porter Jr. And maybe that comes to fruition sooner rather than later. And if Pat Pete is all of a sudden, you know, a number two that Minka has to help out from time to time, but is probably one of the smartest damn number two cornerbacks you could have in the NFL, and Joey Porter Jr. is ready to be left on that island out there, you can do a lot of things in your secondary with two really good one stud level outside cornerbacks mm-hmm. especially in today's nfl where the receivers are just they seem to be falling off of trees these days the, right. the legit elite wide receivers right and i think that pat pete and he's admitted this himself can't be that lockdown guy but he can still help you out in a multitude of ways you know, the lockdown guy's got to come from joey right that's, right, right, right that's right, the potential right right there. right, 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 right. And I, he doesn't have to be it now this year um, see signs of it throughout the year. You know, maybe you get the B tier wide receivers and he mm-hmm. shuts them down like a Christian Kirk or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, if Jamar Chase gives him the business every once in a while, but he's competing against them 
Let's grow. Let's yeah. use that in the next season. Uh, yeah, you know, you get that Jacksonville game around, and he, you know, puts the clamps on Christian Kirk, puts the clamps on Calvin Ridley a little bit. Maybe you start feeling like he turns a corner somewhat. You start giving him more assignments one on one, as opposed mm-hmm. to having some help in the secondary. So, so much to be excited about in that that defensive backfield, and you know, just a a total hodgepodge of different people with the Minkas and the Pat Peets of the veterans and the Hall of Famers and the Joey Porter Juniors, the rookies, and the Levi Wallaces. I mean, right. it's an exciting room. The one position group on the defensive side of the ball that has me so freaking nervous is that inside linebacker. Absolutely. Room. I think it's the only hole on the team. I got to be honest with you. I you think know? so too. You look, I mean, you look at the starting 22 guys, Tom, and name me a position where you look at the names at those starting positions and you say, I, I really can't tell you much about those two, these guys. It, it, it feels like both of them will be Miles Jacks again. I mean, now, I don't know if they've had the injury problems and the knee problems that Miles Jack has had, um, but you know, Cole Holcomb's a little banged up right now heading into to training camp. Supposed to be ready, but those are two guys that you don't ever expect to make an All-Pro, ever really expect to sniff around a Pro Bowl appearance and there are just so many offenses these days that pinpoint your biggest weakness and just attack and attack Mm -hmm. and attack and attack and any offensive coordinator worth his weight and even some of them that aren't worth their weight have to look at that defense and the scouting and you know after a couple weeks of film are put out there and preseason film that's where I go is the middle of the field, right? That's where I attack. That's where my opening is. And, you know, until they really get at least one guy there Mm -hmm. that can kind of be like that rising tide to lift the other boats, I just am going to go into every game expecting big things from the tight end, big things over the middle of the field, third and five, they're going to get the first down here because our linebackers can't cover it. Am I optimistic that they'll be better than they were last year? I am. I'm optimistic that they'll be healthier than they were last year in Miles Jackson. It might case be the most sure. timid op- optimism you've ever had. Because the ceilings for both of these guys, like so low. Not they're not going to lead the league in tackles. They're yeah. not going to, you know, be a force fumble machine. Maybe they get an interception. Maybe they punch a ball out here and there. But well, you would hope so because you remember how last year the three res- inside linebackers. Did not have a single, what, splash play, which is a sack or a tackle for loss or a fumble or an interception. They, like, shared so one you, between no, them yeah, And I think it came in Robert Spillane, right? I believe it was Robert Spillane, yeah. I mean, so between Jack, Devin Bush, and Spillane, those guys had one splash play combined. So you would hope, Tom, hope these guys can do more than that. And you don't have any depth there either. No, you know what's ironic, too, is the fact that we talk about we've been hyping up the depth at tight end and running back and in the secondary overall, the offensive line overall. You look at the depth that the, the Seagulls went out Even to the get defensive in the line. line, too, with right? guys like Watts and Adams. But, but and then Adams. also, too, I look at the linebackers as a whole. The Seagulls draft Nick Herbig. The Seagulls go out and get Marcus Golding. The depth you had at inside linebacker is almost non-existent. You have your... Especially former, when you decided to make Herbig an outside. Right. You have outside. your former seventh-round pick in Mark Robinson. Tanner Muse from Seattle. Probably going to be just a special teams guy, really, when you think about it. And then Chappelle Russell, who's not going to make the team. Or I, I would can't be surprised imagine. if he did. I mean, yeah, Tanner Muse is a chance to be a special teams guy, but 
is your maybe your best bet is Mark Robinson. Like maybe out of the group that we have presently to become a legitimate yeah. starter and I nail down. Know. You know, I'll be here know. for five years as an inside linebacker. But again, that's not the guy that you really want to put all your eggs in the basket of. The seventh, excuse me, seventh round pick who was playing running back at Ole Miss just a couple of years before he got drafted as a linebacker. Now he's beefed up. He's on the NFL lifting program now, the the NFL diet. But still, that's a lot of making up to do at a position in just two years at the highest level of the sport. Clearly, the Steelers aren't ready to throw him into a fire yet. But I think they are ready to move him up to that number three spot and have him get some run in some pretty significant weighty downs early in the season and not just later in the year kind of out of necessity for everybody else sucking so bad right. like we saw last year. Like I think Robinson will start as that number three this season and you're gonna see him play, you know, week one, forty, forty five percent of the snaps on that defense. Yeah, I mean that's just the way it goes, right? It's the same way that you saw Robert Spillane out there. Even though you would rather Devin Bush, who was your rookie who you drafted by trading up, and Miles Jack, who you brought in from Jacksonville, who you thought Okay, this guy was the leader for the for the middle unit in Jacksonville for so long. He's got to be a stud here in Pittsburgh. And you were left with Robert Twain as your third, and you said only in dire situations if, if Devin and Miles Jack can't make it on the field would you be comfortable going with, with Spillane. But then you fast forward to the end of the season, and you were more comfortable putting out Robert Spillane than you were Miles Jack and Devin Bush at times. It wasn't because Robert Spillane was head and shoulders better and you thought you got a steal. It was just because the starters were so underwhelming and underperforming that you ha- you had no choice but to put Roberts playing out there. And it, it very well could be the same here with Mark Robinson. So now I'm thinking, you know, how do you hide these guys? You know, how do you mm-hmm. get away with them not being exposed? And, you know, if there was a secondary that was a little weaker, I'd say, you know, if your pass rush is good enough, they don't have to cover that long. You know what I mean? And I guess that's the same for the inside backers, but it doesn't take long for receivers in the slot or tight ends to get five, 10 yards up the field and turn around and catch a first down. So can't really rely on pass rush to help with the middle of the field. It's, you know, helpful for sure, but it's not like it's an end all be all deodorant to, to, Mm. to mask these guys, Uh, a quarterback like Mahomes quarterback, like Burrow, it's going to get the ball out in like two seconds and just make their playmakers make guys like Holcomb and Roberts miss. And, get good chunk yardage through the middle of the field. I I just don't know how you can really hide them without pulling from the secondary, bringing people up right. a little bit, having Minka kind of help that out, kinda, having that, Neil kind of help out. That compromises your defense. A little bit, because now, you know, I, I'm in love with the secondary, and right, I want right, them to right. do secondary things. But And it feels like this has been the case for pretty much all of Minka's time here. But you go, hey, you're Superman, and you're the greatest at what you do, but we need you too. We need you to not only do your job, we need you to do his job a little bit as mm-hmm. well. Not all the time, but can you be a Spillane every once in a while if we need you to be? Can you go up there and bump Mark Andrews at the line of scrimmage and, and stay with him on a big third down? So I think you're going to have to call on him, call on that secondary to help out the middle of the field, those middle linebackers, mm-hmm. which is why if you could get Porter Jr. up to speed to be in that island one-on-one guy, Oh, sooner rather than so later, it makes it so much easier to allocate some of those secondary resources they don't have towards to the linebacking right, right, core. Right, right, right. Because, you know, 
Pat Pete is like you said, admitted he needs some help back there. So if Porter needs some help too, and you move some people up to help the linebackers, then all of a sudden you're looking at not just the 10, 15 yard play. You're looking at mm-hmm. a 30, 40 yard touchdown oh, yeah. potentially. So a, a drive killer. That's the, that's the spot to. that you circle. And if you're Terrell Austin, you're in the lab all the time trying to figure out how to know, hide him. Not, well, put it that way. Like, how to mask these guys? Yeah, how, to, how, to, how to how to help elevate them with some of the talent that's around them? Um, you can't drop Watt into coverage more. I mean, no, his best coverage not. is pass rush. High his best coverage way. is on the line of scrimmage when he's able to just jump up at the line and bat down a pass or even intercept it. Like he he will read it himself. Sometimes right. he stops the pass rush and just kind of backs up a little bit if he thinks he sees. Yeah, something just ask Joe film. Burrow about TJ's pass coverage. So. But you're not going to, you know, do the thing where you drop him back off the no, line and no, he sits no, in the middle no, of the no. field. He did that a little bit as rookie. James year. Harrison did a lot of that. A lot of that. He was good at it. But um, it's not really I mean, TJ's Carl game. Warner knows how yeah. good James Harrison is right. at that. It's not TJ's game. It kind of was a little bit in his rookie season. I absolutely have the confidence that he would be amazing at it if it was his game. If it was, you know what's funny is that you say rusher. that he did that a lot his rookie year. Tom, his rookie year is the only year in his career where he had less than double-digit sacks. Because he was probably dropping back a little right. bit more often. I believe he had a couple interceptions in his rookie season as well um, to boot. But the man would be a marvel at it. He's just the best if, pass rusher maybe ever. Right. So why would you does, why would you take that away from him? It would not surprise me, given his work ethic and devotion to the game, if he worked at that rather than his pass rush, he'd be great at it. There's no doubt about it. He'd be the best outside linebacker in pass coverage without question. But because he's so talented as a pass rusher... He's got He's got to focus on that. He had one pick that rookie year. He had yeah. one pass defended, or seven go. passes defended. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. As, so there you go. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's. But again, it's misleading because he also had seven passes defended the past couple of years too, because he just swats everything down. He's just so good at it. He's just so damn good at football. Um, look, maybe, like I said, that rising tide lifting all boats. Maybe Watt and Hayward are healthy all year long, and yeah, teams get you in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of live with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're bleeding, but you're not bleeding out. You've got that nice, yeah. you know, it's a scar. cauterize that yeah. wound a little bit, and it hurts. And they'll get you there every once in a while. They'll gash it, and it'll start bleeding again, and you'll lose but games because of it. You. But it won't kill you exactly. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what the hope is: is that everybody else is just so solid that they can afford to kind of have a weak link there. Right. And make no mistake about it: it is the weakest. Oh, absolutely, for sure. On both sides of the on field. this team. Yeah, on, on the team, team, 100%. You can now listen to all of our episodes of the Steelers Standard. Just download and subscribe to that podcast wherever you find your podcast: Apple, Spotify, iHeart. They're all there, the Steelers mobile app. We do really appreciate you subscribing and downloading uh, to all the work that we do. Uh, love talking to you guys about the Steelers. Would hope to continue to do so. So hit that download and subscribe button. When we come back, Bucky Brooks from the NFL.com. 2023 All-NFL Breakout Team. You're going to like some of the names on this list. Oh, buddy. We'll talk about that next here on the Steelers Standard.